all the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvel. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode number 247 of This Week in Marvel. We are only three episodes away from 250. Wow. Should, that's a milestone. That is uh, That's halfway to 500. I would even say it's a smile stone. Yeah, it made me smile when you just said that. Yeah. So I think that is a smile stone. Yeah. I don't know what we'll do to celebrate, but... We should do something. Yeah. Um, Everybody should send us pancakes. How many do you think with the point fives we have? Uh, 400 to 450. Wow. I mean, there's an extra... We haven't been doing it the whole time, but we've been doing it a long time. Pretty early time. on, yeah. So look at those. Some of those early point fives are just all like me talking to Tom Brevoort over and over again. It's, it's what the people wanted. Yeah, that's what they. It's, it's what, what they the voted demanded. For. Yeah. Hey, who are you? Hi, I'm Ryan Panagos, <laughs> VP and Executive Editor, aka Marvel's Agent M, joined by Ben Morse, Marvel Editorial Director of Digital Media, and we have with us, but not on a microphone, intern Victoria. Wave to everyone, Victoria. She totally, she, she, she legit waved. She actually waved. And smiled. Oh now she's God. realizing that she just did that. It's fantastic. Victoria's filling in for Josh, who already left for San Diego. I would oh, assume so. But you're going to San Diego, too. I am. She is. No one can hear you. Why are you Don't speaking? Don't worry about it. What is go wrong? Go back to waving. Yes. Yeah, go back to waving. Uh, so it's, it's good times. Um, good people. If you're just joining us on This Week in Marvel, if this is your first episode, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about all the new comics out this week. Print, digital, collection, single issues. We're going to talk about some news, a little bit of news, but we'll get to a little bit more about that afterwards. And we have our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club selection of Thor and the Warriors 4. We're bringing in a special guest to talk about that yeah. uh, that book. Um, if I you, feel like that's going to be a really good one. Yeah. I, I, I've got a good feeling about this Something one. tells me, like... Ulysses' power to see the future. I'm channeling that. I'm like, that's going to be a good little chat. It's going to be a good chat. Yeah. I think so. It's going to be high, high spirited and just laughs a lot and just great. Yeah. So I highly suggest um, if you haven't yet read Thor and the Warriors 4 already, um, get to it. Yeah. Read it before you've you finish only got the, it. You've only got a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, read it before we get to that section of the show, just because it's a really fun book. But pause the show. Yeah, pause, pause the show. You can't create. concentrate on both things at yeah. the same time. That's crazy. Yeah, we're too interesting. Yes. Uh, we say too many great things. That's true. Yeah. So we are going to cover all the comics this week. We are going to cover all the news this week. And we are going to start things off with... A Force, number seven. A Force. A Force. To be reckoned with. Yes. Uh, written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Ben Caldwell. Inks by Scott Hanna. Colors by Ian Herring. Uh, so this wraps up the first big arc for A-Force, and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is a heartbreaker, and it oh, is... Oh, yeah, it really yeah, is. Right? I forgot how sad this was. Oh, yeah. Now I'm remembering it. Uh, Experiencing it all over again. One of the greatest things about this is we have two Dazzlers. Yeah. There's Dazzler Thor mm-hmm. and Dazzler Dazzler. Dazzler original flavor. Yeah, and it is fantastic. They're fighting Countess, who is... Uh, did we... F- was this the issue where it was revealed where she's from, or did we find that out previously? I think we knew it previously. Okay, so she's from Killville, yep. the part of um, Battleworld. Where Modoc Assassin took place. Which was an amazing book. That did you enjoy that? I would kill someone for more of that. 
That's and kill someone. I mean, I would disturbing. eat a lot of pizza oh, in front of many people in order to get more. So issues you of kill that. yourself. Yes, pretty much. Uh, it's so, got dark. Yeah, fast. Totally. It's we're talking about Killville, baby. Yeah, man. Killville, uh, baby. Uh, so this is a fantastic book. The A Force crew has to take down Countess, who basically has crazy magic and psychic powers, mm-hmm. and she's using Nico to. And she's a dragon. And she's a dragon. You would of think course. any one of those things would be enough. But no. But no, she has all of them. And she wants more. Yeah. Like any look, she if you were a dragon, uh, wouldn't you want more? You'd yeah. be like, I'm a dragon. I, sh- I deserve more. I'd be insatiable. Yes. Um, so we've got two dazzlers and the rest of A Force trying to take down a dragon witch psychic. Oh god, I love how monster. they finally do it. And it is terrific. Yeah. Uh, it's really fun. Ben Caldwell's art is gorgeous. It's amazing. And Ian Herring's colors just knock it out of the park. Kelly is incredible. Like, she was... You know what? It kind of reminds me of every once in a while you have two writers come in together Mm -hmm. and they'll work, they'll work, they'll work and then they split off and you're just like, holy crap, the, the newer writer who came in as part of this tandem is just incredible on their own. Yeah. It makes me really happy. So Kelly Thompson... You a good example of that? Brian Bendis and Jonathan Hickman on Secret Warriors. There you go. You know? Yeah. And now we've got Kelly Sue DeConnick and Kelly Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kelly Thompson is incredible. Yeah. Kelly Thompson actually started this book with G. Willow Wilson. Right. But she also she, she worked also with did Kelly Captain Sue. Marvel yeah. and the Carol Corps with Kelly Sue. Yes. But she's proving herself a force in her own right. Yes. A force. You did it. You, you nailed it. Uh, so Kelly is killing it on this book. Uh, they go into Civil War II in the next issue. Uh, I believe A-Force is now starting on on Marvel Unlimited, so if you're not caught up, please get there soon. All New Inhumans number 9 is the next book we will be discussing. It was written by James Asmus, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Andres Mosa, uh, Flint, Gorgon, and Anna Kravenoff, who I'm really digging that they worked her into this series. I just love, I think she's a great character, and James Asmus is really running with her and fleshing her out very nicely uh the problem we've got here is that anna has been captured by well they they've gone to the inhuman city of Udalon, where flint's family is and he's reunited with his mother and his sister but there's some hinky stuff going on they are trying to basically they're trying to make babies uh, whether I don't call that hinky. I call that awesome. Mm-hmm-hmm. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a little involuntary bone zone action going on here. Well, rec- desired. There's desired. No, thankfully, there's, there's no, no involuntary, uh, non-consensual well, bone zone action. They do. This. They take some. How, how to say this? They take like genetic. DNA? Yeah, they take DNA away from Anna because they want to use it to make kids, and they try to force uh, Gorgon to be in the bone zone uh neither of them are having it and flint is trying to get to the bottom of what's going on gorgon is on trial anna is on the run they're blaming flint for this and also the terrigen mist is about to roll in and the utolans have not exposed themselves to the terrigen mist and indeed it could be toxic to them so they do not want it to come in so it's a lot for flint to put on his shoulders and he doing what he does means he puts himself in opposition to his family who he has just now found after being separated for so long so there's a lot of emotions going on in this book and there's just a lot of uh hinky stuff like i said all right up next is all new wolverine 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 number 10 this is a civil war 2 tie-in 
Um, I like that you said that like a question. <laughs> well, because I was like I was going through the story in my head, even mm-hmm. though it's sitting right in front of me. I was like, where's oh right by the end. Yeah. Uh, but it opens up with some just really great stuff as you have uh, old man Logan and you have Laura and you have Gabby who so it's Wolverine clone of Wolverine and a clone of Wolverine's clone. Yep. It is fantastic. And then an old man Wolverine. Oh, what? wait. I said Wolverine, a clone of Wolverine, oh. and a clone of a clone of Wolverine. Oh, so Wolverine. Plus a Wolverine. Oh, yeah, and an actual Wolverine. Yeah. So you've got so much going on here, but it's fantastic. Uh, there's this really sweet family dynamic, but it's also kind of like they're not your typical family. They're Even Gabby even What's makes What's not it- typical about <laughs> an old man from a post-apocalyptic alternate future, his clone and his clone of his clone, and their pet Wolverine? That seems like a family to me. This would be my favorite sitcom ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's all this going on. And at one point, some burglars come into their apartment. And, Bad move. Which starts out really funny, but gets to a point where I legit threw the book down. And yeah. I was like, I got there are actual really stakes. nervous. There are actual stakes for a burglary of Wolverine's apartment. Yeah. It was pretty impressive by uh, Tom Taylor. It upset the hell out of me for mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, by the end of the issue, we'll see where that goes. But... As I said, this is a Civil War II tie-in, so these characters are all holed up in one place. And uh, how does this come to be a tie-in with Civil War II? Ulysses has a vision that involves the Wolverine family. Oh, boy. So we'll see. Over in Astonishing Ant-Man number 10, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Jordan Boyd. We're finally getting closer to learning why Scott Lang has landed back in prison. But first... He has been captured by the Cross family, uh, the arch villains, I would say, of the Ant-Man story. He recalls how he got a bunch of no-goodniks together to pull a heist to try to rescue his daughter from the clutches of the Crosses. Now things have reversed, and now it's Cassie who is working with the people who stuck around to try to get her dad free. Uh, There's just great banter, great humor, uh, some clever ways and uses of powers. We've got the new Giant Man. We've got Darla Deering. We've got Stinger, as Cassie has come to be known. And they really stick it to Crossfire and the rest of the Cross family. Uh, But obviously, things go somewhat awry. That's how Scott ends up where he ends up. Um, And there's a twist involving Darla that kind of screws Scott over. And by the end... The cops show up, and we're going to finally find out why. Well, we basically do we find do. out why. Yeah, we know why Scott's in prison, but next issue, we'll see him go into prison. You read this issue to find out why he's in prison. Just just you wait till you see them putting him in the cell and fingerprinting him. <laughs> All the excitement. Wow. Here we go. All right, on to Black Widow number go. five. Written uh, by Mark Wade and Chris Somney with art by Chris Samney and colors by Mark, Matt Wilson. So wait, was it written by Chris Somney but art by Chris Samney? Did I pronounce it differently? You did. Ah, whatever. One way is going to be correct. Yeah, I, I think it was how a about that? smart move. Uh, I've known Chris so long, I should know how to pronounce his name properly. I don't know which one's correct. I think Samney. Yeah. Uh, but Somni sounds Somni cool sounds and right. Right? It sounds Yeah, it sounds right. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris is so sweet. I know Such he'll just nice be guy. like, it doesn't matter. He'll, yeah. he'll be like, you can pronounce it however you want. And he totally listens. Uh, I love Chris. Anyway. Um, Enough about you and your Chris obsession. Right? Jeez, get to the comments. So uh, Black Widow is caught between a rock and a hard place. She's got the weeping lion who has blackmailed her and looking for some intel that she stole from S.H.I.E.L.D. And on the other side of it, S.H.I.E.L.D. is going after her because she done stole some intel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's trying to play both sides, not get played by either side, try to survive, and she's 
It's just dangerous. It's really cool spy stuff. Chris uh, is, you know, showing his chops here as a writer, uh, guided by Mark Wade, and it is fantastic. Contest of Champions number 10, the final issue of Contest of Champions, written by Al Ewing, art by Roald Marcellius, colors by Andrew Crossley. We start out at the pub that Outlaw was in at the very beginning of the series, and he's back. Hello, my name's Outlaw. I would like a pint of your favorite Guinness. So Outlaw is back in the pub telling them about this big experience he had with the Contest of Champions. Back on Battleworld, we've got three groups. We've got the... Renegade Champions, which consist of Ares, White Fox, Outlaw, Bullseye, and Guillotine, against the Mighty Avengers and Thunderbolts from an Earth where Civil War never ended. Not to be confused with the Earth where Civil War never ended from Secret Wars. This is a different Earth where Civil War never ended from Beyond Secret Wars. Uh, All sorts of cool alternate characters, all sorts of horrible violent things going on. Ares in particular takes out Thor right off the, the jump. Uh, Outlaw is kind of caught in the middle of everything. He encounters a Frank Castle, tries to explain why he's been conflicted this whole time. He doesn't want to be killing anymore. There's stuff going on with Iron Patriot and uh, everything. Iron Patriot uh, has some sort of power to bring people back from the dead. We find out how that happens, find out why it's not working. Um, And then Maestro comes in. Maestro in big awesome reality powered armor he's got the entire isosphere it takes the unlikeliest of heroes to turn things around and we find out in the end that even the seemingly harmless can be a champion in the contest of champions yes uh all right on to darth vader number 23 oh man this book is so good yep uh, it's almost over i know two uh, more issues so vader uh don't get used to it the emperor is like hey vader you're pretty again you go do fun things for me and vader's like okay i'll go kill everyone for you and he's uh run up and destroyed uh void gazer whatever uh, tulan void gazer but void gazer basically th- is using uh her ship as like a destruction device and Vader's like whatever I'm not even worried Uh, all this this is all leading to uh, Vader going finally to take down Kylo uh, his former rival but also someone who is trying to kind of usurp some power from the Emperor and Vader ain't going to have that uh, we also have the story of Triple Zero and BT with Dr. Afra mm-hmm. after they had captured her. Now they're helping her. Uh, we get to see uh, our boy Kersantin uh, Black, Black yep. uh, the awesome vigilante mercenary, uh, not vigilante, mercenary Wookiee. Um, but really this is about Vader being scary AF. He uh, there's this one point where uh, Kylo is like trying Did you say to AF. Yeah, I like it. Kylo is trying to do some stuff, and Vader cuts the power. And there's these two panels, and Vader's on the loudspeaker or certain power. He's on the loudspeaker in the ship, and he says, "You have lost control of the engines. You will not be escaping. I am coming for you." Mm. I would be terrified if Vader just got on the phone and was like, "Hey, bro, I'm coming for you. Yeah. You're gonna die." It's Darth Vader, you know. Yeah, and Kylo, he's it's just like. Whatever. I got yeah. enough tricks up my sleeve. And so he dispatches his, like, pseudo-Jedi to, to fight him. He dispatches a lot of troopers. And there's this great battle uh, in space on the hull of the ship uh, with Vader versus Morit, who is this mm. that, that weird, like, s- not Jedi, but, like, 
like the little robot jig you just did. Robot cloney you know? thing, whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, there's a great battle there. There also ends up being this other uh, series of, of Vader moments. But, but, there's a big twist. We see why Kylo has been so confident yeah. this whole time. Stupid Kylo with his tricks and his yeah. nastiness. Hey, Deadpool. Or is it Silo? Because Kylo t- oh, yeah, sounds too much point. like Kylo or Ren. Ren. Yeah. So it probably is Silo. Mm, mm, like, mm. A, you know, like a grain Silo. Yeah. Like one of those. But not spelled like that. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money now have their own ongoing series. This is issue number one. It's written by Colin Bunn, art by Iben Coelho, colors by Guru EFX. Deadpool starts off, the just like Contest of Champions, starts things off in a bar where he's talking to a friend. Uh, I'm not going to reveal who it is because it's kind of a cool reveal, but basically expressing some doubts about his crew, thinks the Mercs for Money don't want to be associated with him anymore they're looking to take him out if you're reading the uh, ongoing Deadpool series which you should be you know that there is some truth to what he feels but here they're still working together they're on a mission to bring in uh, super powered beings who have radioactive profiles who have some sort of radioactivity and the person they go after is Negasonic Teenage Warhead who you may remember from Grant Morrison's run on New X-Men also appeared in the Deadpool film and she is a delight. Um, her power set is really cool. Basically, she's able to see what is about to happen to her before it happens. And the way we see that represented visually by Evan Coelho and Guru FX is they'll do like a purple tinged panel of what should happen and then the actual panel of what does happen. And she is just causing all sorts of problems for the Mercs for money. She makes fools of the lot of them. Uh, Deadpool and Massacre eventually take her down, but only because she chooses to be. Uh, There's some shadiness about what's going on with these captured radioactive people that they're turning over to this group, and definitely more than meets the eye goes up, but a solid debut issue for Deadpool and the Mercs for Money. Next up, Guardians of Infinity, number eight. This is the final issue of Guardians of Infinity. If you recall, Hermeticus has imprisoned Rocket Raccoon's brain in one of his brain jars. He's got Stella Nega um, captured. He's got the rest of the Guardians running around fighting his hybrids. Well, Rocket Raccoon pulls one over on him. Not going to say how, but it leads three teams of Guardians back on his trail, and they end up getting the best of Hermeticus in a very clever way. This is written by Dan Abnett, pencils by Carlo Barberi, inks by Tom Palmer and Jose Marzon Jr., colors by Israel Silva. There's also a backup story called The Ripley, written by the Soska sisters, Jen and Sylvia, mm. art by Juanan Ramirez, colors by Jesus Abertov. It is terrifying. <laughs> it is a story where um, it, it creeped me out and made me very uncomfortable. It's Kitty Pride, Star-Lord, and Rocket Raccoon picking up a distress signal from a brood spaceship. So they go in, and the brood have been taken out by a different parasitic alien race. So you've got two parasitic alien races, you've got all this infection, all this grossness, and the three of them are fighting over who is the Ripley in this situation. Basically, <laughs> who is the hero. It's really clever, it's really fun, it's really gross. Uh, the last couple pages will creep you out and make you feel like you don't want to go to bed tonight. That seems about right. Soska sisters are terrific. Yeah, we they did a great job. I definitely interviewed them for the podcast. I am hoping it actually went up. Mm-hmm. But it did. I remember it. Perfect. Yeah. Then you guys should definitely check out that episode. Uh, 
they're just they're great. They're also big wrestling fans. Oh, nice! Uh, and they have TV shows and they've directed movies. And I'm, I really can't wait to see them do more for us. Yep. Um, and didn't they do something for us during Secret Wars? Yeah, they did the Night, Night Nurse, Nurse story. That's what I thought. Yeah, which yeah. was fantastic. Cool. This was good too. All right. Uh, on our sheet, it says Howard the Duck and Karnak came out this week, but we did not receive them. And I talked to the editor saying Howard the Duck comes out next week. Mm-hmm. So we're going to assume that Karnak comes out next week too yep. and talk about them then. Can't wait. Yes. All right. Up next is Nighthawk number three, written by David Walker, art by Martin Morazzo, with colors by Tamara Bonvillain. And uh, this, this is just violent as all get out, as each issue of Nighthawk has seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we get some interesting revelations here. Uh, first, as we're we're seeing some of the pieces be put together by the cops in the in the area about who's doing all the dirty killings, who's doing all the dirty crime. Who's behind some vicious stuff, uh, as well as a, um, uh, a, you know, just learning more about uh, Nighthawk and his operations and his some fun little teasing stuff between his relationship with Tilda, who, as we now know, Deadly Nightshade. Obviously. Yep. Yeah, Deadly Nightshade. Who knew? Not, Not us. us. Uh, but it's uh, it's great. You also get this really funny scene with Nighthawk taking off his shirt to deal with his wounds, uh, which made me laugh in the middle of just scary, creepy, violent, really, like, societal upsetting stuff. It's a heavy book, but heavy. it's really good. Yeah, definitely really Totally good. worth the read. Uh, Nova number 9, written by Sean Ryan, pencils by R.B. Silva, inks by Adriano D. Benedetto, and colors by Andres Malsa. Nova is in New York City fighting against the Mole Monster, and he's doing it all alone because everyone else is off dealing with Civil War. And no one's really clued Sam into what's going on in Civil War, and he's kind of frustrated. That leads to the most unexpected team-up of, of perhaps all. Uh, oh, my God. I had no idea that was going to happen. I don't think anyone had it is great. It's the captain from Next Wave, who has not been seen, to the best of my knowledge, since Next Wave. Maybe once or twice. I don't even think that. He shows up and he has a team up with Sam. And it's great because Sam's at a point in his superhero career where he's kind of wondering, you know, why am I still doing this? Maybe this isn't the path for me. The captain is a superhero who doesn't want to be a superhero anymore. So it's a very interesting dynamic as Sam tries to kind of power through and keep being a hero. But Captain is, you know, as they're fighting, kind of like, you know, why are you doing this? This isn't really worth it. And that leads to Sam going home and having a heart-to-heart with his mom, where he's he's going to try to figure out what's going on with his helmet, how it's powered. And if he can't do it, if he can't find his father, can't fulfill his big mission, he is going to stop being Nova. Yeah. Oof. All right. On to Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat number eight. <sighs> Civil War tie-in. Gosh. Uh, so this is a Civil War tie-in because it's got a big emotional hook for Patsy, whose best friend, who's someone who's been helping her out really big time, and who's been like her rock, She-Hulk, is in a coma mm-hmm. uh, after the events of Civil uh, Civil War Two numbers number one or two zero number zero. I think zero was the Thanos fight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So since issue number zero. Yeah. So um, She-Hulk is in a bad way. And uh, in this issue, it's when Patsy learns about what's going on. America Chavez uh, helps her to, helps Patsy see She-Hulk because She-Hulk is sort of secured in uh, in the Triskelion. Uh, But it really has a lot of 
Patsy thinking about Jen, trying to figure out, you know, like just remembering her best friend. Mm-hmm. And what we really find out is that She-Hulk not being around has not just these emotional repercussions for our cast, but also for uh, the building that they all live and work in, yeah. or at least that they work in, the um, uh, 68J Street where you have Howard's office, you have Patsy's office, you have She-Hulk's office. Uh, this leaves the owner of the building, Sharon, with, with without having that income coming mm-hmm. in. So they have to take some, some things into uh, effect, some precautionary measures, and we see an introduction of a new cast member. By the end of the issue, who we'll see much more of coming up, but it's it's cool. It's a really really. It was sweet a really issue. cool introduction too. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a really sweet issue. Uh, I just love all the relationships that are being built here. Great work as always by Kate Leth, Brittany Williams, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Consistently one of my absolute favorite books every week. Also, uh, the letters pages include of photos of cats. Full of cats. Which you can't you can't lose with that. Elevates the game. Just the the thing that impressed me so much about Patsy Walker is. That I'm talking about the comic, not the person. Patsy Walker is very impressive as a person. Um, it's just this is kind of what we talk about when we talk about Deadpool. How Jerry Duggan has gotten so good at writing Deadpool. You know, it's funny, it's light, and then when it goes heavy, it goes really heavy. Yeah. But it's really good. That's the thing with Patsy Walker is you know it's very sometimes very cute. It's sometimes very fun. It's very light. But they were able to deal with a very serious issue here, multiple serious issues, and do it just so beautifully. So. My hat's off to that book. You're not wearing a hat, though. My hat remains off. My metaphorical hat remains off to Spider-Man number six, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Nico Leone, colors by Marte Garcia. Miles is still dealing with the fallout of his new roommate, Gold Balls, knowing his secret identity. Uh, He talks to him about that, talks about how he's pissed at Gonky. Uh, Jessica Jones is following him around by order of his grandmother. His parents are none too happy about it. They're trying to decide what they got to do. But for me, the main thrust of this issue is when Miles gets a call from Tony Stark. And basically, Iron Man wants to talk to Miles about what's going on with Ulysses, what the big dilemma is, what the conflict is between him and Carol Danvers. Basically, Iron Man lays it out to Miles. And to me probably the best articulation of the Civil War conflict to date. I think, you know, Bendis is writing Civil War II, the main book, but I think he really, using Tony's voice here, having Miles as the sounding board, really got into, okay, this is why we both have a point, and this is why this is actually a Civil War. And Tony wants Miles to basically be like, to to be his sounding board, to be his, you're still optimistic about the world, am I wrong? Am I doing the wrong thing here? Because it feels like I'm doing the right thing. And Miles' inclination, when it comes to profiling, which, you know, Bendis injects some stuff from Miles' personal life, from his family life in there, uh, he agrees with Tony at the outset. But then he goes and has to talk with his dad to see if he really does agree with him. So I just, we've been doing so much with Civil War II. And I think, you know, Brian has really, in Civil War II, done a good job of creating not the same conflict that we had back in Civil War One, but an equally weighty conflict. And it really, if, if you're reading Civil War Two and you want to see the main issue just drawn out and really well explained, i got to recommend Spider-Man number six. It's a really good issue. It's a fantastic issue. All right, on to Spider-Man Deadpool number seven, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Scott Coblish, <laughs> colors by Val what? Staples. What? Uh, so, uh, as we find out at the beginning uh, in, in the recap page is that 
This is actually a special issue uh, found from way back when. It's an inventory issue that you know never had in the swing in sixties from nineteen sixty-eight. Hey, uh, they dug this up. It was intended as an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but it was shelved because it had too many political hot potatoes at the time. Yeah, uh, that happened a lot. Yeah, it was actually the never seen before first meeting of Spider-Man and Deadpool. Mm-hmm. So incredible. There's history in this here book, and we get to see. Uh, uh, this wonderful team up, um, and funny enough, it's set right in the middle of a political convention. Hmm. Seems fitting that this week Timely. We, we have the Republican National Convention and then the Democratic National Convention shortly after. Right here, we have a story set at a 1968 political convention. Hmm. So we get a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and some lots of fun jokes. Uh, it's it's wacky. It's great. We've got a uh, classic Spider-Man villain turning everything on its ear and Spider-Man and Deadpool have to sort of team up to take them down. It's a lot of fun stuff and little gags that tie into uh, Jerry's Deadpool run and just wacky, weird stuff all throughout. And by the end, we find out that we will get some more Joe Kelly, Ed McGinnis, Spider-Man, Deadpool coming up. What a a relief. Not that that this wasn't great. Uh, Squadron Supreme number nine. Main story written by James Robinson, art by ACO, ACO. How do we say that? Sort of like ACH. Yeah, that's what, from, I'm, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. ACO. Colors by Marcelo Maiolo. There's also a backup story, also written by James, with art by Leonardo Romero, Art uh, color art by Matt Lopez. This is an extra size issue that tells first in the prime story the origin of Warrior Woman. We find out as she's revealing to Modred how she got from the battle world portion she was in with the Squadron Sinister to our world. It is a pretty bloody, pretty uh, gruesome, violent story, how she took on the identity of Power Princess, why she did that to try to fool um, the Squadron Supreme. Uh, Ulysses comes into play. Modred uh, manipulates Ulysses to get a vision out of him that involves a character that has died over the course of this book. And then we find out that there is still, as prophesied by Ulysses, one enemy of Warrior Woman still around to reckon with, and that enemy then becomes the star of our backup story, and we find out how she came from a different Earth to our Earth, and how she put herself in position to be a thorn in Warrior Woman's side. Uh, the artist on the mm. backup story... Leonardo Romero. Yeah, I don't remember seeing his art before yep holy crap so good and you know what he's doing next tell me ben he is going to be doing uh the new hawkeye book wow written by robbie thompson oh my god what everything about that and starring kate bishop i'm just like air kicking yeah in my head. look at the air kicks yeah uh all right on to star wars number 21 written by jason aaron art by jorge molina colors by matt mila this is dope this, Yo, this is... was such a cool idea oh man so this is not We've got no standard Star Wars characters nope. in here. No Han Solos or Luke, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, or whatever, your Bebop and Rocksteadies. Yep. We've got. No Bebop or Rocksteady. No, neither of them. We've got in here a story about stormtroopers. This is a special group, like a crack team of really intense stormtroopers, uh, led by Sergeant Creel, who. Uh, was a former Imperial spy and dealt with stuff on Nar Shaddaa and has had run-ins with uh, our, our, you know, our regular Star Wars crew. But this is about um, this team of stormtroopers having to go in where nobody else can. Where this is the 
the the empire's like like kill crew. Yeah, they are scary. Uh, they remind this me is like their SEAL team. Yeah, they're like their SEAL team. This reminds me of uh, sort of if you've played uh, the Halo ODST game, like this crew of like really awesome characters who are all specialists at various things and and just running through a war zone trying to you know they have a special mission they have to kill some stuff they have to do some nasty things and they're the only people who can do it it is a dope issue really really cool uh and ends up you see one of them may even have a lightsaber Mm, lightsaber uh thunderbolts number three justice like lightning keep on keeping on it's written by jim zub the art is by john mallon the all-new Inhumans, who we talked about earlier this week, make an appearance here. Color art by Matt Yaki, as I flip to the credits page. It's Thunderbolts against Inhumans, so we're talking Gorgon, Naja, Grid, Flint, Crystal, going up against the likes of Atlas, The Fixer, Moonstone, Winter Soldier, Mach 10. They're all here. They're all fighting. Uh, the Thunderbolts are a newer team. They're not quite as used to each other, despite the fact that they've all worked together in the past. They do get one over on the Inhumans. Meanwhile, something's going on with Steve Rogers. Well, if you've been reading Steve Rogers, you know a lot's going on with Ooh. Steve Rogers. But he is trying to track down Bucky, and that could be very problematic in the future. The Thunderbolts back at their base are trying to decide the best way to handle Kobik, and she makes an offer to Bucky that he may not be able to refuse. Yeah. All right, on to Ultimates number nine. This is uh, written by Al Ewing, art by Kenneth Rockefort and uh, Digibriel Morissette, colors by Dan Brown. Um, so this is, at its core, it's a story about hope and yeah. about the Ultimates finding ways to deal with situations in unconventional situations in unconventional ways. Mm-hmm. And... It is so friggin' cool. It opens up with, we see uh, Dr. Brashear, uh, a.k.a. the Blue Marvel, with his son, Doc Jr., uh, them dealing with this the manifestation of something called the Infinaut. And they, they have a little bit of a warning before it happens, but it's this thing that comes into our reality and might be the could be the end of everything, and they have to find a way to stop it from mm-hmm. potentially destroying reality. But in this world and this the the tie-in for civil war ii is ulysses has this idea about has the the premonition about the infinite knows when it's going to show up the ultimates have then plenty they have eight days to figure out eight crazy days you know just like that movie and uh it they have time to figure out okay here's what's going to happen what if we plan for this what if instead of trying to stop this thing from happening we find a way to communicate with it we find a way to Figure out what its deal is. Mm-hmm. So they enlist uh, extra members. They have uh, Raz Mahorta. Having who, a great week. Giant Man. Yeah, man. Showing up in two books this he's week. He's everywhere. Uh, Giant Everywhere man sh- you want to be. <laughs> Giant Man shows up, uh, and he's pivotal to this. And, you know, it's it's a really cool story about how the Ultimates finally deal with a bigger problem. And the only way they actually could have done it is thanks to Ulysses and mm. thanks to those powers, which is a big quandary if you're on, you know, sitting on the fence for the Civil War II argument. If they didn't, maybe this could have turned into a much bigger, scarier situation. But we get to f- see the Infinite, and I'm very excited to figure out how that plays out. Uh, but that said, we also have a number of other stories going on here as forces are working against the Ultimates in clandestine ways, and some of them are really, really scary. 
Speaking of really scary, we end things this week with Uncanny X-Men number 10, written by Colin Bunn, art by Ken Lashley, colors by Nolan Woodard. It's the conclusion of the Apocalypse Wars tie-in, and it's very scary because a horde of Archangels called the Death Flight has been unleashed. We finally get the truth about Archangel and Warren Worthington. Psylocke, Magneto, Mystique, and Phantom X get to the bottom of it all. Uh, Genocide, the son of Apocalypse, is the villain du jour here meanwhile beneath new york city we've got Sabretooth and monet dealing with Mplate, classic villain uh twist on what happens to him and then someone has to make a very big sacrifice in order to stop the death flight it changes the status quo of this team of a lot of characters you care about and there's a little coda at the end suggesting that all may not be as it seems yeah and that wraps us up for this week um I loved the pair of Civil War tie-ins, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, and Spider-Man. I'm going to give a slight nod to Spider-Man because I really think Bendis uh, turned it on there and just expanding the Civil War II concept. Yeah, Spider-Man is definitely, like, right at the top of my list. I I think I'm going with all-new Wolverine, mm, although Star Wars is, like... Whew, like it was ridiculous. It's tough. Good. It's tough. Really good week, as always. Very happy with the books. Yes. And collections on sale this week. A Force Presents Volume 5, Agents of Shield Volume 1, The Colson Protocols, Captain Marvel Volume 1, Rise of Alpha Flight, Howard the Duck, The Complete Collection Volume 3, Luke Cage, Avenger, Rocket Raccoon and Groot Volume 1, Tricks of the Trade, Spider-Man Brand New Day, The Complete Collection Volume 2. Star Wars, Obi-Wan, and Anakin. That's already out. That's cool. And for Ryan, X-Men, The Trial of Gambit. Um, uh, Digital comics on sale this week. Books we've already talked about, as well as Deadpool Too Soon, Infinite Comic. Uh, We also got on the app Amazing Spider-Man 46 through 50. Deadpool GLI Summer Fun Spectacular, number one. Or Spectacular. Spectacular. Defenders 7, 22 through 25 and 30 from the original Defenders run. Doctor Strange, number 53. GLX Miss Special, number one. Marvel Team-Up Annual, number four. Marvelous Land of Oz, one through eight. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, 64. Sable and Fortune, one through four. That is Silver Sable and Dominic Fortune. Yeah. In the team-up you demanded. Yes. Sabretooth, one through four. Thing, one through eight. That's Dan Slott thing, mm-hmm. I believe. I think Fun so. Fun stuff. Uncanny X-Men, negative one. Minus one. X-Men, minus one. And X-Men 62 through 64. Uh, if you're asking what the GLI stuff is, that is part of a Squirrel Girl collection oh, cool. that we have or are putting out very soon. Because yeah, We're putting it out it. right now. It's, it's listed down here. Yeah, We can actually uh, trace back. And then the, all the X-Men stuff is from Trial of Gambit. Um, what else do we have? We have digital collections on sale. We have A-Force Presents Volume 5, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Volume 1, The Coulson Protocols, Captain Marvel Volume 1, Rise of Alpha Flight, Howard the Duck, The Complete Collection Volume 3, Luke Cage, Avenger, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot Volume 1, Tricks of the Trade, Star Wars, Obi-Wan and Anakin, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and The Great Lakes Avengers. That's what you're talking about right there. X-Men, The Trial of Gambit. Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, Life and Death of Spiders, and then Daredevil Masterworks, Volume 6, 7, and 8, and Defenders Masterworks, Volume 4. Yeah. Um, All right, freshly digitized comics. On Marvel Unlimited this week, we've got Amazing Spider-Man and Silk, the Spider-Fly Effect Infinite Comic, Number 1, Captain Marvel, Number 1, Deadpool, Number 6, Drax, Number 3, Hercules, Number 3, 
Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2, number 15, Ms. Marvel, number 3, New Avengers, number 5, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, number 2, Silk, number 3, Silver Surfer, number 1, Spider-Gwen, number 4, Squadron Supreme, number 3, Star Wars, number 15, Star-Lord, number 3, Star-Brand, and Nightmask, number 2... Ultimates, number 3, Uncanny Avengers, number 4, and Web Warriors, number... Three. Thank you. That was Bam. that's what we call the hot tag. Yeah, right in there. Uh, very good. Lots of great books. Uh, I think it's time now for news. And now from Marvel headquarters, it's this week in Marvel news. Man, all right. We uh, we're gonna have a lot of news coming out of San Diego Comic Con that is going on probably as you're listening to this um, and you can follow that all at marvel.com slash sdcc 2016 that's all going to be coming at you we do have a little uh, extra we had a mercs for money sketchbook with ivan coelho showing off his sketches for the new series uh, over in games beast debuted for contest of champions and we also had a cool story about k pike who you may remember was the body painter who did uh, avengers alliance 2 art um, she did another one based on the 1901 captain america Cool. Mm. Pretty good. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so, as Ben mentioned, all that San Diego Comic-Con action, um, tons of it. Make sure you go to marvel.com slash SDCC2016. We have live blogs of all our panels. We have live video all day long, every day, during the show. We have photos a ton. We have all of our social updates in one place. Um, all the news will be posted up there. I mean, it's... It's a cornucopia mm. of Comic-Con coverage. Veritable buffet. A buffet. Yes. Buffet. A buffet, if you will. Uh, we have lots of fun guests on the live show. It's really, really exciting. Uh, if, by chance, you are going to Comic-Con or know someone going to Comic-Con, advise them to get themselves a Marvel MasterCard. They can mm. sign up at the Marvel booth because if they sign up at the Marvel booth, they get a special Scotty Young pin. Yes. For signing up, getting their uh, uh, credit card approved, and they can you they can take that to the merch booth. They get the Scotty Young pin. They also get ten percent off the merch at our booth at Comic Con, yeah. which is huge because if you want to buy all them T-shirts and dirigibles and all that stuff, then yeah, I gotta get those dirigibles. You gotta get the dirigibles. Uh, you want to get ten percent off. It helps. Every little bit helps. Uh, if you can't join us there, make sure you also have your Marvel Mastercard because you still get your three percent cash back on dining, select entertainment and at themarvelshop.com and all the other goodies that we talk about all the time. So much good stuff from the uh, Marvel MasterCard. Okay, we're going to be back in a sec with Jordan D. White, Mm -hmm. our special guest, to talk about Thor and the Warriors 4. But first, let's throw it to the West Coast. It's the West Coast, show me in the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me in the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me in the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello out there, this week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. I'm joined by... Harrison Wilcox. And also... Marsha Griffith. And we are here to talk all things new Marvel animation. I don't know why I'm talking like Like a a robot. robot. (laughs) I'm also karate chopping like I'm a robot, which is a completely visual thing that uh, Harrison and Marsha did not need to see, but I still did it anyway. You did it like a... Karate chopping robot. Thank you. Glad somebody noticed. Yeah. He was workshopping. It's very bathroom. authentic. It was very authentic. Very authentic. You for a moment thought, oh my, oh my god, god. It's a karate chopping robot. He's a robot. robot. Um, 
Speaking of karate chopping robots, we got a brand new episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy airing this Sunday at 8 a.m. on Disney XD. Harrison, what's going on in this episode? Well, this episode, unlike all the previous episodes, has a lot of uh, hilarity and hijinks. Oh, man, you know, is there serious stuff? Uh, oh, well, there's always a little serious stuff. God. I guess I missed, I Can blocked out Can you not just this. give Patrick some just hilarity and hijinks? Period. Yeah, I'm like, sick of this serious so. stuff. I feel like you get plenty of hilarity and hijinks. I, I, you know, anyways. anyways. I, I started to trail right. off there. So this is our big season one finale. Uh, viewers from last episode saw that Thanos has showed up for the Cosmic Seed. He's taken it, and he is now all-powerful Thanos. He is moving mountains. He is growing giant stalks, minus the beans. <laughs> and they are, uh, the Guardians are sort of at their... Uh, their wits end of what to do because not only is Thanos the biggest bad but now Thanos has the most powerful uh, device in his hand. So uh, we're going to see some, uh, some new uh, some new team ups that we've never seen before. We're going to see some baddies. Like from... Rocket and Groot teaming up? <laughs> you know what? That's a great idea. Someone yeah. write that down. Somebody write that down. I'm writing right now. Season season two. Uh, we're going to see some uh, some former villains or current villains teaming up with the Guardians. Uh, people that normally do not get along now forced to work together. People like Nebula and uh, a guy with a hammer. Hmm. Guy with a... Oh, Thor. There's only two. And you're wrong. Thor. So. Uh, Bob the Builder? Hmm? No? There's actually three, but that doesn't matter. Ronan. We're seeing Ronan. 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 He's got his dark aster. He's, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of history with him and Drax, a lot of history with Nebula and Gamora, uh, and it's real fun to see those characters uh, interact and play off one another while they're trying to deal with a uh, galaxy-ending threat, which is Thanos with the cosmic seed power. Uh, last episode, we saw a lot of uh, Himalayan action, but yeah. this time we're going uh, straight to the heart of the Marvel Universe, New York City, Central Park. Whoa. Thanos, the Guardians, Guardians, Central, Central Park. Park. New York City. Did they take New a boat York ride? City. New York City! Did they take a boat ride together? I've never heard anyone do that with a New York accent. <laughs> supposed to do it with, like, a, I think, a Western, Western twang. Yeah. All my accents are New the same. Yorkers wouldn't be surprised when yeah, someone's in New York I like to think City. we're all... Citizens just turned it on its we're head. all citizens of planet Earth. Do they take swan okay. boat rides in Central Park? No? Central Park. That's right next Are to the Statue of Liberty, right? Yep. Central Park. Exactly. That's where Statue the Eiffel Tower is. There's one frame <laughs> even in the show way. of them riding swan, swan boats, boats, which is actually a Boston Yeah, it's a Boston thing. Oh, no, it's a swan boat. Well, so then it's just a, the little There's you know, one boats. frame. You can find it if you look real okay. close. Boston is the duck boat. Boston's swan boats are, uh, I think, a completely different beast. No. Yes. Boston has the swan boats, and they have the make way for ducklings. Oh, no, they right. have the duck boats that are the duck boats are. We don't need to discuss this. They do have the duck boats. They drive on the road, and they drive, yes, and they float in the water. Yes, but in Boston Gardens, oh. you can. The, you can the swan, swan boats, boats are like paddle boats. boats. They're like. Okay, I'm just talking about paddle. the rowboats and stuff in Central Park, but yeah, you know what I mean. Do they take a carriage ride around Central Park? said that there's a one frame in the show Rocket and Groot in a swan boat. You said swan boat. I'm talking about carriage ride. No. Like horse, horse and buggy. I think it was a missed Do opportunity. Do they go to Times Square? Missed opportunity. You know, I'm Do not, they eat any pizza? I feel like I've given too much away. Do they see Hamilton? <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> no, they couldn't get tickets. Okay. Oh. oh. Come on, you're telling me Ronan couldn't get tickets to see Hamilton? Rock, Rocket got scalped. 
bad tickets. They, they thought they could find their way home because they heard that Hamilton was out of this world. How much did Hamilton pay you to say that? Well, let's just say that Lin-Manuel Miranda hasn't, hasn't been up to much lately. So him and I have been hanging out. You've been hanging out. Yes. Um, hey, Spider-Hamilton, right? That's a thing. There you go. There we go. That will be now. That will be now. Oh, uh, you just gave birth to that demon. Sorry. Sorry for creating work for you guys. Um, so we don't have just a brand new episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. We have the mighty triumphant return of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. Yeah, we have baby. a brand new episode. Marsha, what's going on? Uh, in this episode... Something is amiss. Ooh. Yeah. In a town in upstate New York, the Avengers go there to find out what's going on, and the town is overrun by these sort of primitive beings. Um, and as the Avengers attempt to figure to help them to figure out and save the townspeople, um, they actually run into trouble, conflict with the Inhumans. Oh no. Yes, because these creatures are linked to the Inhumans. Um, the primitive creatures that have been uh, have taken over this town um, are actually cr uh, beings created by the uh, their worker beings created by the uh, Inhumans. So anyway, uh, there's a, there's bad things you know uh, hijinks ensue. Not hilarity though. I would say no hilarity. No, I've I've been to upstate New York. So when you refer to primitive beings, do you just mean the sit like people who live in upstate New York? Uh, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. That's your words, not mine. Patrick's going to get on his upstate New York soapbox. Yeah. Listen, this is what i got to say about coming. You know all you people from upstate New York. I don't York. know why you hate Albany so much. Uh, I have no idea. you got to stop turning these into your, your upstate agenda. I don't. I don't know why. We're sick of your personal, personal anti-upstate anti -upstate New, New York, York agenda. Agendas. That one girlfriend you had from uh, Rochester. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Hey, it was Syracuse, all right? Although I don't think Rochester or Syracuse are really upstate. They're like mid-state. What are you okay. talking about? You can't go any farther up than Rochester. It's on the it's on Lake Erie. What are you talking about? Yeah, but then there's Canada. There's the there's the peak because you know what? You can't go any farther up. Yeah, but if you go east and then up, then you can go further up. Can you? That's Buffalo. It's the same latitude. No, listen, okay. In my day, when I was okay, you know, well, I'm sorry. Have the borders changed? When I was hopping on, when I'd hop on the Mass Pike. <laughs> Uh, back in Massachusetts. Yes, the good old pipe. When, when you hop on 90 and you drive due west, you hit Albany. Then two hours later, you hit Rochester. Wow. Uh, maybe? Anyways. Oh, yeah, it does go away. They're there. all along right. 90. But if you hit Albany and then go north, right. you can drive like another four Ask hours north. Yeah, You're that right. would be You're fascinating right. if I cared. <laughs> So we're just really trying to. The five listeners from that part of New York are thrilled right now. Mm -hmm. Somebody's we're... finally talking about them. But this is all helpful. Talking smack about them. Because the scene. No, just Patrick. I yeah. love you guys. I love you guys too. I don't know you guys, but I love you guys. But here's the thing: when we finally get to see that scene of the Avengers traveling from Avengers Tower to, to upstate. upstate New York, now the the listeners will believe, have a better frame of reference. I believe they were confused, and they said, "What did Patrick tell us about the mass?" They were like, "Don't city folk just say upstate New York is everything that's not New York City?" 
I, maybe they do. Because, like, Manhattan, basically the rest of New York is upstate from Manhattan. That's what I think when people mean upstate. Well, that's a terrible way of looking at things. There's more to New York. There's more to New York a, than just as opposed Manhattan. to someone who just hates it all like you. Great, right, you just hate it all. There you go. Uh, anyways, can that's... I just tell you? And oh. I'm just gonna say that in this episode, Black Bolt. Oh boy. And Thor. That's Black Bolt and Thor. Boom. That's all you'll put out there. Yeah. Boom. Big battle. Big battle royale between Black Bolt and Thor. Yes. So make sure you. Who tune doesn't want to see that? I want to see that. Our panel at Comic Con will be at 12.30, so you upstate New York people should come there and give Patrick a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You upstate New York people travel to San Diego, get into Comic-Con. Give him a what for. What for, and then go back on up. And uh, that's... Bring, bring some corn. Very good corn in upstate New York. Best corn in the country. The, uh, also, one of the names of the... Is it Stewart's? I think Stewart's is the name of the local convenience store that know. also sells... Just bring corn. Anyways... Uh, <laughs> just bring corn so this week brand new episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy at 8am new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution at 8.30am both on Disney XD um, if you're listening to this and you're, you are attending you're still listening <laughs> if you are attending chances are not good San Diego Comic Con yes Harrison was correct we have a panel Saturday uh, at 12 12.30 and uh Come to it, see Harrison and Marsha in person, hang out with them. They love posing for photos, uh, get autographs, all, all that type of stuff. And until next time, uh, make sure you cartoon in to Disney XD. And we're back. We are into the This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Our selection this week was Thor and the Warriors 4. And we have a special guest with us to recap this super fun, super awesome comic. And that is the editor of said super fun, super awesome comic and former X-Force editor, uh, Jordan <laughs> D. White. What does Jordan. that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, you remember he was infamously taken off X-Force. No, that never happened. Run. I yeah. didn't edit X-Force. He had a great run on X-Force for this a while. This is a joke I'm not, I don't yeah. even remember. This is this old school <laughs> This, this is Week in Marvel joke. fans. Not quite as old as this comic, yeah. but, but pretty old, old joke. Old school This Week in Marvel fans will enjoy the, jo- the joke. But Jordan, we enjoy having you here in general. Well, thank you. I enjoy being here. So uh, this was my pick, mm-hmm. and uh, it's one I've been wanting us to do for a while because it's pretty off the beaten path for kind of a lot of our listeners, I think, because it's, one, it's a limited series. And, you know, limited series sort of kind of, some people think, oh, that they don't matter or whatever right. it is, so they don't read them. Two, it's... Which so, is not true. It's not true they at all. do matter. Two, it's sort of an all-ages um, just kind of great fun non-continuity mm-hmm. story which automatically yeah. drives some people like oh well I have no reason to read that because doesn't make any sense to is me. Is that your highfalutin voice? Yeah, that's my <laughs> I only read things in continuity. If yeah. someone gets eaten by a shark worm push, I need push, to know about push it. Push the glasses up. Exactly. Uh, but this is one of the most fun books we put out in our tenure here at Marvel uh, since Ben and I have been here. Mm-hmm. Um and it just, I love it from top to bottom. It was one of my favorites when we when it originally came out. And uh, now, you know, having reread it again, I was like, 
damn, this is still fantastic. I ripped through it the other day. I was amazed at how it wasn't like a quick read, like, oh no, I'm done. This there was no substance to it. I just I was so excited to get to the next issue that I ran right through it. It's really what you aim for when you're doing an all ages comic, which is not just that it's for kids, but it's for all ages. It's yeah. for kids, it's for adults. Can you speak a little to that, Jordan? Kind of what you were going for with this? Well, I mean, exactly what you said. I, I, well, first of all, I'll tell you. Uh, can I make a terrible confession? Yes. Part, part of uh, that's, that's what we live for here on this week yeah. in Marvel. One of the one of the reasons that I love this book so much is because I. I don't like Thor. Oh, <laughs> I, I am not a big fan of Thor. So when when they said to me, uh, so the next uh, we wanted to do another of these Power Pack miniseries, but mm-hmm. this next one will be have Thor in it because there was a Thor movie coming up. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, I was like, "Ugh, Thor! <laughs> Thor's boring and lame. I don't like Thor." What don't you like about? Me? I just I'm, for some reason. Uh, most of the time, and I don't mean like literally all the time, because there are great writers. Jason Aaron is doing an amazing job on the book, and I right. really like it now. Um, but a lot of the time, when stories go to Asgard, I just kind of glaze over, and I'm just like, mm. okay, I'm not interested. I, uh, this is a bunch of stuff I don't care about. You're too steeped in the real world, like Star Wars, <laughs> and like like Deadpool. Deadpool. Right. Okay, no, I get it. I get it. 100%. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It just feels weird. So time for these flights of fancy... <laughs> So I I, uh, I I talked to people about uh, about the book and Alex Albin pitched a story that had such a great uh, emotional hook to it and a, and it's such a great personal real stakes that it made me care about people going to Asgard and doing Asgard yeah, stuff. Because the whole thing is set in Asgard. <laughs> yes, I know. And this and this book made me care about it for this, this story and I, that, that's why I was like, oh, this absolutely has to be the one we, we the story we tell. Um, for those who don't know, it it has to do with uh, the kids from Power Pack, which are who are four siblings who all have superpowers, and they have a superhero team together. Which they got from a magic horse. That is also true. <laughs> magic space horse. Yep. Uh, so these four kids... Hmm? Just careful touching the mic. Okay. These uh, four... These, these four kids... Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when you when we have those little breaks, just make sure you mark okay, down the time so we can cut those out. Oh, perfect. Yeah, what up? <laughs> <laughs> so these four kids uh, are, like I said, they're a family, so they have a grandmother who in this story is sick, and it seems like she's probably going to die. And uh, that is what kicks off the uh, the, the adventure. And that's, a, that's such a real and human thing, and it's a, it's something that everybody has to deal with in their life and so and it's but it's presented in such a in such a in such a i don't know a really emotional but understanding and approachable way that i feel like you can read this with a child and they will understand it and they will you know have feelings and maybe even learn something from it but it's but again that that makes it sound like an after school special or something that you'd be like well that doesn't sound like a good thing to watch no, no but it's also so much fun it. right yeah. exactly because then they go to Asgard and they meet Loki there's there's so many cute babies and so many horse jokes <laughs> my favorite part of the entire book is when okay Thor and everyone from Asgard gets turned into babies yes. Yes. when baby Thor is riding around on baby Beta Ray Bill's back, yeah. which happens for, uh, for a long time in one of the issues. It is amazing, and it is the best. And baby Beta Ray Bill doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> the way he looks is just like, it's almost like a, like, do you know the candy nerf nerds? 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a nerd. He with, does sort of yeah. look like and a I nerd. Love yes. it. I love it so much. <laughs> it always it was it was such a it was a design that always just made me happy. And then he was going around on all fours. It was like it doesn't, but this this is great. The the artists for the book are uh, the Guru Hero team. Uh, who are a uh, a pair of Japanese women who are currently amazing. Working currently working on Gwenpool. Currently working on Gwenpool. I've you? been a fan of them since back then on, on their work on Power Pack, and I've been I, I will use them whenever I can. They've done like one or two Deadpool covers for mm-hmm. me, which are always very funky and weird because that's always like slightly inappropriate. But then when we did Gwenpool, I thought, wait, they would make it really cute, but they could also still handle the the nuttiness and the. The, the the craziness of, of her adventures. So yeah, if you like the art on Gwenpool, this is the same artist and uh, they're amazing. Yeah, and I think part of what I love about them and this book are the the visual gags that mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. don't that aren't really addressed at all. They don't aren't necessarily important to the story, but elevate the book so much. There's just little things in the background and then off you know that that they add to it that I'm just like, oh this would be a totally different book without them which absolutely can, can can sometimes not be the case in some comics you could be like oh you could put a lot of you know a lot of people can put a similar stamp on it but this is very much them yeah and their their style yeah. which is helpful in addition to that we also have backup stories oh yes written and drawn by colin coover featuring power back and hercules now why the decision to have backup stories as opposed to just having you know longer stories was that was that a running that's a power yeah. That's a great question. A great, yeah. <laughs> we asked a great question. Don't remember at all. Yeah. Um, I, I would like part like we could count the number of pages. And mm-hmm. the, did they do a full? Was it full issues or I don't even remember. I I do remember doing them, and mm-hmm. again they turned out great. How many pages was were the backups? Uh, I don't know. Were they like, like four, four pages four, each. Five, four or five. Yeah, something like that. And then they're fun. Yeah, I don't remember why. I mean, I remember we did it with Hercules because it, the, obviously the, the mytho- mythological mm-hmm. connection and stuff like that. Um, and I've been a fan of Colleen's for a very long time as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. uh, it was it was uh, it was a it was a blast to have her in to to do those. But I I don't remember why. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned Alex Albin who wrote the mm-hmm. main story. Now back when you were doing, like you said, there was many Power Pack limited series. Was he the writer on all of them, or did he just? No, no. He, he. This is the only one he did. We, okay. we. Um, I mean, I don't know how how behind the scenes you want to get, but we had a we, we had a couple of scenes. people, we had a couple of people pitch mm-hmm. stories for this, um, and in what we sometimes refer to as a bake off. Mm. Um, and do they have to provide actual baked goods along yes, with their pitches? That sounds delightful. Well, yeah. we don't tell them that, but if those who pick up on it, yeah. Uh, get bonus points. No, that's not true. Um, they don't know they're in a pick-off. <laughs> no, they, they did. They, they did. They know they're in a pick-off. Yeah, we, we told them, like, <laughs> you're not, you don't, I mean, we'd like to know what story you would tell, and then we're going to pick the, the story that we like the best. Right. And Alex pitched a story that, again, it was it was this story, so I don't have to describe the story he pitched. It was this one, and I, again, I was just like, that really makes me care about mm-hmm about what's going on with Thor right. in a way that is so cool and also has some great cameos the, the pet so Avengers show funny, up yeah. in there uh, yeah. who, who I know aren't really around anymore but they were super fun at the this time this was right when they were in their heyday yes yes it was Nadir yeah the pet nope, not the Nadir and no, that's the, that's that's the, the bottom point. this no. is probably the Nadir because yeah. nobody remembers them no. I don't know <laughs> no. 
She's the Zenith. But yeah, and there was Zenith. but there was a great gag there where because the Pet Avengers in the Pet Avengers book can talk. Yeah. And so there's this great gag where they're all talking and then you cut to Power Pack's version of it and they just see a bunch of dogs and cats going like ruff ruff meow yeah. meow meow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I popped for that. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh what was this the first thing that Guru Hero did for us? No, I think they had worked on some they previous on Power Pack stuff. Power yeah. Oh, okay, okay, I see. How many, pa- I mean, how long had you been working on Power Pack? This was the first one that I edited. Oh, I think wow. I assisted on uh, the, the like, Power Pack year one kind mm-hmm. of one before this, but uh, but I hadn't edited it. This was one of the first things I edited for Marvel. Oh, so wow. would you call yourself uh, Marvel's greatest Power Pack editor? Wow. Uh that sounds like a yes. That sounds like a yes. Yeah. I, I believe back in the 80s it was... Is this the best Power Pack story of all time? It might be. Considering I can only think of this one in my own personal memory. <laughs> Wasn't like Louise Simonson the editor in the 80s? She was, was the writer. She was the writer. She was the writer. But I never so read, I don't know I who never read the Power Pack books Are we saying that Jordan... So Jordan's basically saying he's better than Louise Simonson. I, well, I didn't write it. But still, she you're, wrote it. you're still saying that. I don't see how that <laughs> lines up. Because you're saying you were able to coax a better power pack story <laughs> than she was able to write. On the record. Mm, on the record. Is that on the record what I said? I it think I like asked it. the question and you answered that I, that, that <laughs> yeah. was the case. So you said that. So you have it. You heard it here for, first, <laughs> folks. Jordan D. White buries comics legend and wow. really nice lady Louise no. Simonson. I've, I've worked with her. Uh, she... She worked on a... Uh, X-Factor Forever? That is the one. Yeah. That is Steel the one. Trap. Well done. Not X-Force Forever, because <laughs> no. you would have gotten kicked off that. Um, <laughs> you mentioned some of the gags that you liked in this book. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what were some of the serious moments that really resonated? I mean, it, all the stuff, again, I mean, the all the stuff with the grandmother. It's yeah. just so... Again, it's so heartfelt and so real. The scenes at the beginning where the kids are in the hospital waiting around... Again, to to find out what's going on because they don't really understand what's happening. Like it's, it's so real. Mm-hmm. And there again, there are still moments of like humor in there because they're still you know kids being yeah. dopey kids. Um, but you you your 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 heart breaks for them. Your heart your heart goes out to them, and uh, it's it's so cool. Also, uh, you get some awesome moments at the end. Do we spoil things here? Sure. No, yeah, not usually, but let's. Do oh it now. well, if we don't, then I don't want to spoil it. Well, this, well the idea is people should have read, read the. Oh, okay. If they didn't read it, they shouldn't be listening. If, if you haven't read it yet, Go pause, ahead. read it on Marvel Unlimited, yeah. come back. It's it's four issues. They're fast and they're fun. It's a breeze. Okay, now so you're actually going to stop like you were waiting for them. Well, I did for a second. I took a breath. Okay. Um, but uh, the fact that uh, oh gosh, names is that Jack in the in the white? Jack no. White. From uh, the white stripes. Which one? Which one is the one the, wearing the white clothes? The blonde one. The blonde is one. Alex. Alex. The fact that Alex. Lindsay White, greatest uh, power pack editor yeah. of all time, <laughs> yeah. does not know the names of the kids. The other power one's pack. name is Jack. Yeah. You know who would have known that? <laughs> Simon. Louis Simonson. Yes, of course she would. Of course she would. She created power pack. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So she is. Anyway, um, amazing and wonderful, uh, Alex. Uh, gets to harness the power of Thor. Yeah, he gets to lift the hammer and and become uh you know enthored or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, enthored <laughs> seems right. Good. Yeah, it sounds slightly dirty. I like it. <laughs> very dirty. Yeah. That's definitely appropriate for this all ages comic. Yeah. Um, another thing I really enjoyed, both in the Hercules backups and in the main story, where there's a lot of mythological elements mixed mm-hmm. in. Like they didn't just go to Asgard. They talked about Ragnarok. They talked about yeah. 
the Midgard Serpent, um, actually... Ratatosk, who would later show up in Squirrel Girl. Right, oh yeah, right. here, which I thought was kind of neat. Because I bet you thought, oh wow, this is probably the only time that anyone will ever use Ratatosk in a comic. It became the whole base of the Squirrel Girl thing. But was that was that an Alex Albin thing? Did he just want to work the mythology in? Yeah, yeah, he brought he brought that that to it. And again, in a in a great way. I mean, you know what? I think part of the reason that that it works for me here is because the kids are so normal. Yeah. Uh, so so the kids are coming to Asgard and they're reacting to the mythology and they're, you know, learning about it and interacting with it in a way that sometimes in in a in a, in a typical Thor story where it's just Thor going and interacting with other and everyone's gods. Everyone's used to it. Yeah, they're, they're like, all just like this is everyday stuff. Yeah, we eat the apples, sure. what? <laughs> <laughs> um that 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 changes it and it makes it more accessible and it makes it more emotionally resonant uh, and I I so I think that worked really well and yeah that was all Alex bringing all that knowledge in and like doing the research as great as Baby Thor and Baby Better Ray Bill are um, I really like Baby Odin because he's got an eye patch yep. yes, and he's he got does. little birds flying around. <laughs> His birds also get turned into babies. Yeah, they turn into little baby birds. Yeah, it's, it's naturally. Adorable. It's so cute. Yeah, it's so adorable. It's great. But, so, do we want to get to uh, yeah. questions and oh, comments questions. Yeah. from our listeners? Yep. Uh, starting with DJ Thanko, who said, "Thor and the Warriors 4, This book is oozing adorability. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Well, take oozing. It. Okay. No, not <laughs> yeah, ah, guy. this guy, Louis Simonson, wouldn't have gotten that one. <laughs> Get um, out of here. From the cover, it looks like a Power Pack team up. Good <laughs> guess. Wow. DJ Who Mango. knew? Uh, and the first page of the first issue confirms that. I haven't read a book with Power Pack. <laughs> so is this pack. stream of thoughts? Is yeah. this okay? Oh, yeah. All right. 100%. I haven't read a book with Power Pack since Fall of the Mutants. As we read, my son said, this is like Guardians of the Galaxy because a family member dies and a little boy runs away. Wow. Yeah. So, Jordan D. White, in some ways... Basically created, up, yeah, the, created Guardians the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Right. Nice Congratulations. Job, Jordan. Wow. Well, I look forward to, uh, to James Gunn thanking me. <laughs> Someday. Um, <laughs> my son also laughed at the description of Jack. Dark hair and mean. I like that, too. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was a kick. Uh, my son was reading the Pet Avenger section and said, hey, I recognize him. He was pointing to Lockjaw. Oh. Truly one of the biggest stars in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Big debate whether or not he's a dog or a person. Where do you stand on that? I, I kind of think it's, I like the darker take where he's a person. I myself. like it too. I yeah. dig that. And I think I, it's great. Like, I, don't, I don't understand how he's a dog. How is he the only dog yeah. in this ancient civilization that has somehow mysteriously had this ability to do this. Right. Why yeah. Why would he react to Terragenesis? Yeah. They, they didn't do experiments on dogs. They did experiments on people. people. Right. right. So if and, you got the power, then yeah. you must have it. And I don't care that they oh, treat man. him like a although, dog. Is, that's what he is. Although, now that we've just said that, like... If if we all of a sudden start doing stories about the Terrigen clouds like changing dogs into superpowered dogs all over the world, that's, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, you yeah, should take that. <laughs> you are an editor, and you should be able to take that. Lockjaw and the pet in humans. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, this is gonna yeah. be good stuff. I smell okay. money. Right, we're, we're doing this is it. Your ticket back to the top, Jordan. <laughs> he then opened Civil War Two and said. This is the same person as he pointed to the arrival of the Inhumans. Your nice. son is a genius. Good job, Don. Putting things together. That's what we like. Uh, I guess he's been reading my comics that I occasionally leave out on my desk. I need to remember to file those better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want him to read the yeah. wrong ones. Yeah. yeah. Put your Deadpool comics away, for sure, sure. please. 
He was especially... I like that you just assume everyone has Deadpool comics. Uh, oh, obviously. <laughs> he was especially tickled by the last panel of issue one, but was immediately turned off by the Hercules backup story. How? Oh. How? The Hercules backup yeah. story. Colleen is so good. Although, I will say... I, no, because you're, you're looking at the yeah, collected the, edition here. Yeah. It's very strange to me that they would keep them... Broken up. Broken up with each yeah. issue. I would have thought they would move all the Hercules stories to the end, yeah. so you read them all at once. You thought wrong. Yeah. yeah. If Jordan D. White was editing these collected editions, it would be very different. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. That would make me the best collected edition editor, editor of, of all, all time. time. Yeah. Wow. Take that, Jen Grunewald. <laughs> um, my youngest came in. This is this. I love this. this is just uh, yep. the DJ Fanko family yep. tweet fest. Uh, my youngest came in, took a look at the wargs, and said excitedly, doggies, before sneezing all over the iPad. <laughs> nice. Uh, kids, they're kids. disgusting. Can't wait. Uh, sometimes... Reading in my house is a contact sport. How is that a contact sport? Because he, he got sneeze, sneeze yeah. on him? Contact with boogies. Disease and disgust. Yeah. Contact sport like football where people are just sneezing on each other all the uh. time? <laughs> yeah, that happens. Crazy. Yeah, sure, Jordan. <laughs> uh, I asked my son to describe the smell of Midgard. His response is air, stinky diapers, and gas. Like at the gas station. Huh. That's what Earth smells like. Yeah. So it's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. I would have added greasy fried food, but we can go on those answers. After all, wasn't Dario Agger's ambitions to oil farm? And then it seems to run off there. Oh, his ambitions were to oil farm. Yes. Yeah. Dario Agger being the Roxxon CEO. Right. Minotaur, Who is also a Minotaur. Minotaur, yes. Just yeah. happened to be Minotaur as well. We don't judge him for it. <laughs> Meanwhile, he kept reading and thoroughly approved of Jack's bright idea, a sandwich, what's not to like, it's bread and meat. Yeah. It was weird right. how you juxtapose, you, you changed the order that he wrote. I did. Your, your bread over meat? Um, I just think bread is the basis of every sandwich, but, mm. you know, I could have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't need meat for that. Bread is essentially what makes a sandwich a sandwich. Jordan, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, my God. The epic question. The epic question wars have been fought over. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, it fits all the requirements. Uh, what? The guy who gave them armor was Loki. My son's mind was blown. That's the idea. Yeah. That's storytelling. Mm -hmm. A little mm -hmm. switcheroo. The highest, highest level. Also, he told me he's not a fan of Enchantress. I asked why. He said she's always using magics and tricking people. Good moral compass yep. on this kid. Bot on. Nice job. Yeah. My eldest daughter read the series. Gigi Fanko, how many kids do you have, man? Just <laughs> rolling them out of a clown car and reading the friggin' Thor and the Warriors. Must be sport. disgusting. <laughs> Just awful. Wow. As many babies as, as in Asgard. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. She liked it a lot. She said it was really good. Uh, Pause. Bringing endorsements from two out of three children. Yeah. Let's do a reprint with that on the cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Penelope Cat says. New to MURC selections, Thor and the Warriors 4. I love the Power Pack revival from the aughts, so this should the be fun. nice. Yeah. Was that, so saying the Power Pack revival, does that mean all these limited series, I guess? I think so. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't there think were, there was anything no. more concrete. No, no, there were, but there were like probably five or six series, I think. There was definitely an Avengers one, a... There's a Wolverine one. Wolverine one. one. A, Where are um, the two youngest Power Pack kids? Because one is with the Future Foundation, Foundation one was Alex, with the Runaways. Julie. Uh, now she's in Avengers Academy. Well, neither of those books exist anymore, so... Well, the, the Avengers Academy still exists as a no. as a concept, nope. doesn't it? No, no. It was shut down? Are you reading the comics? 
Yeah, I'm reading comics. <laughs> Just because the, when the series ended, they didn't shut down the school. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, actually, no, they didn't. What happened was they kidnapped all the children and killed them on an island. <laughs> yeah, not uh, all so of them. Well, an awful lot they of them. She did not them. die. She did not die. I don't She's know. Uh, we haven't seen her since Avengers Academy ended, and I'm pretty sure it's no longer... I think they're no longer in attendance I at think Avengers, Avengers Academy. Academy is still in operation and she's still there well, until I see otherwise. It, how would you see otherwise? We'd have to show every foot on earth no, to show that it's not there. You just have to, someone would have to say like, oh, remember when we had Avengers Here's where Academy? it was. It is no longer there. You say, hey, remember we had Avengers Academy? We sure don't have that anymore. All the people who used to teach at it are no longer teaching at it. I mean, you know, they cycled in some new teachers, mm. probably just average. Mm. No one got tenure, and yeah. so they're not. <laughs> yeah, that can be very frustrating. They're, they're all gone. They're, it's not in. A, it's not happening. But so we need to figure out where the uh, where are, um, Katie and Jack. Katie and Jack. I I don't know. I haven't seen them in a very long time. The last I remember. No, that wasn't Katie. That was Molly from Runaways. Oh you yeah, know, the other little girl character of yeah. the Marvel universe. Um, no, I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, yeah, very good question. Yes. Uh, Penelope Getz is also featuring the Pet Avengers. I don't think I've read the series before. Glad to rectify that mistake. I'm surprised this written this wasn't written by Mark mm. Sumerak, he says. He did a lot of the, the, yeah. the power, power Pack series. Uh, Penelope Getz says apparently went to college with him but didn't know him. Hmm. Uh, issue 2 took the green eyes green eyes to make me realize that Coil was an anagram. Yep, I got that right away. Yeah. <laughs> well done, yeah. well done. Yeah. Uh, and the last one he says is, heh. <laughs> Thor's. That was pretty great. Yeah, Thor's is <laughs> pretty great. Yep, pretty yep. great. Rob Nolan says alternating trim U- uh, URC isn't ideal because uh, primarily it's not made clear each fortnight what the next selection is, especially recently. Re- recently, so I guess Mark didn't say what our selection was. Yeah, no, it's not that we don't make things clear. It's that Mark and Patrick are terrible <laughs> podcasters. So oh. we will uh, whip them into shape. We apologize, Rob, and we will we will rectify this situation. Yeah, part of what we like try to now. do is let the people finishing explain, like, you know, what it is. So sometimes that means Mark and Patrick have to explain what the next selection is. Yeah, and they're not very good at it. Hmm. But, you know, worst comes to worst, you could always employ the as soon as you hear what it is, pause it and read it before you listen technique. The, the listeners can. Yeah. That's always that's a possibility. Why, that's why this guy's such a great editor. Wow. Uh, stuff. And Rob also says, but the Twim URC selection has returned to the highlight section of Marvel Unlimited. So it, it has. Okay. Oh. So we'll, we'll try to be clear. And we'll try to be better. You know, maybe make sure it's put into, like, the, the show notes, the description that we it put always, into. It's always in the description. Or or into the, like, sort of what shows up in an iTunes feed. Mm. or Do you know what the next one is? Notes. Don't know what the next one is because <laughs> it's Mark and Patrick. But they're, they're, they're supposed to tell you, and you're supposed to tell. They didn't tell me. You're supposed to. Hmm. So do me. we pick one? Um, no. Well, it'll be in the show notes for this one. <laughs> I think uh, you should just pick one and punish them. Yeah, pick one for them. Uh, well, I chose this. Jordan. I'll choose one. Yeah, Jordan. Hey, you guys should totally read Age of the Century. <laughs> Age of the Century? Yep. Sure. All right, we're going to make we're, read Age of the Century. Then you're going to have to come back and That's talk okay. About it. I would love to. That is one of my favorite books I ever worked on. Well, we won't come back and talk about it because it'll be out in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, you guys can talk about it in L.A. It'll be great. Spread the word. Oh, we're going to make them talk about it. Or are we just stealing this? And oh, wow. I say we, we steal it because I would like okay. to hear what Jordan has All to right, say All right, so let's it. do Age of the Century. Yeah. So, Mark and Patrick, if you're listening... <laughs> Take the week off. 
Oh, because we're wow. gonna, that's we're gonna a, do it here. See, you, you were gonna punish them, and now you gave them a benefit. You gave yeah. them a, a that's yeah, that didn't work. That didn't work at all. <laughs> no, but it's a punishment because they don't get to choose their own book. They'll be they'll be devastated. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yes. So we'll do uh, Age of the Century, yep. and what's the creative team? Jeff Parker. Uh, yeah, Jeff Parker, um, Paul Tobin, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Dragata, mm-hmm. and uh, and then a bunch of other artists. I the number of. And we'll just keep working our way through Jordan's uh, history as an editor until you get to X Force. What was the until first book you worked on? Lost X Force. <laughs> the first issue I ever uh, assistant edited. That's not a verb. Was uh, Exiles number ninety nine? There it is. Uh, wow. The second to last issue of the first uh, wow, series of Exiles. Exiles. No, oh. congratulations yeah. on murdering that was a great a long series. running title. We were already planning new Exiles before I even came aboard. Mm. Who was re- who was doing Exiles? Chris Claremont? Chris Claremont. He was doing it. I called him on the phone my first day. Wow. To give him notes, <laughs> not my notes. I mean, like all How of our notes. It? He was he was very friendly. Okay. He was very friendly. It wasn't like you dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> you child. He should have been, but but thankfully he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was writing the Hellfire Club when you were in your diapers. <laughs> Accurate. Before, then, Before that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. But he just meant literally. Club? I don't know. I was just thinking of something <laughs> a little bit raunchy and him as a baby. Why not say X-Men? <laughs> he thinks of it as the Hellfire Club series featuring yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hellfire <laughs> Club. Emma Frost and, and, and Celine. Yeah. And they were uh, the stars who's, of the show. who's the, the big dude? And then there's like Harry the punk dude. Harry uh, Leland, Donald Sebastian Pierce. Shaw, Sebastian Shaw, yeah, Pierce. Pierce was the robot. He right? was the robot. Yeah, I remember on the cartoon when he would like rip his shirt and show a robot arm. We all so do that. you know that he's a robot. Yeah, good times. Yeah, what we're talking about. All right, so Age of the Century next time. Yeah, Jordan, <laughs> wow, thanks for worked. coming on, man. My pleasure. We'll have you back. All right, this and, so fun. And a request to our listeners: read the dang books. Yeah, please. Just read. let us just let us know you're reading these because these are we're choosing these because we really legitimately enjoy them. Yeah, we wouldn't choose something we didn't like. Yeah, we're not going to choose like. Just to be clear, I we, don't know. The, Jordan picked Age of the Century, but I actually like Age of the Century. I, I loved it. it was okay, fun. good. Phew. So, yeah, oh. good on that. It was cool. That was, it was dangerous. It's a weird book, and it's a lot it's of fun. It's a very weird it book. It was, to me, I'll go out on a limb and say it may have been the best use of the century ever. That's fair. Uh, maybe except from the initial uh, Paul Jenkins, J. Lee limited series that first introduced the concept, but I think it was the best use of Century post that. Cool. Ever. Yeah. Which makes Jordan D. White... The greatest Sentry editor of all time. <gasps> Amazing. Wow, he's just racking up all the editor awards. It's crazy. Yeah, congratulations, Jordan. Thank you. You're welcome. So I think Does that make me the greatest editor of all time? No. Eventually. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that brings us to a close. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jordan. Uh, guys, if you're not already, be sure you're tuned in to marvel.com slash SDCC 2016, as we will have live coverage the entire length of San Diego this this uh, episode will go up during San Diego. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. you'll be out there working hard. Yeah, I'll be kicking back on my recliner. Yes. And as we noted earlier in the show, uh, lots of news, but we'll talk about it all, pretty much all next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan, where are fans going to find you on the Twitters and whatnot? You can find me on Twitter at Crackshot, except with a zero instead of an O. Why? Why? Well, because that was the name of the superhero that I was when I was a child. Aw. Okay. It's yeah. a touching story. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe you should kill him in one of their comics. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel doesn't own him, so. Yet. Yet. <laughs> That's Brian was trying to trick you. Yeah. All right, Ryan, take us home. This is Marvel, your universe.